0: Try my people. everybody everybody welcome welcome it is friday february 16th 2024 yes a special friday edition of out to coop live welcome to raging chickens out to Coop live this is kevin mahoney editor and founder of raging chicken on out to coop live we talk to progressives activists and troublemakers of all sorts right from our own backyards and across the country you can also join us at the end of the week, usually in Fridays, for our Friday Politics Roundup, where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. You can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And you can support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash Press for all the details. And you can also help out the show right now get on over to our YouTube channel. If you're not there already, smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show and hit that notification bell. So you know, every time that we go live. And if you're one of our awesome podcast listeners, make sure you leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on and leave a comment to let other folks know why you like the show. Little things like this help other people find the show. For more PA progressive talk and really national labor talk, head on over the Rick Smith shows live stream at 9 PM Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to his podcast, wherever you get your podcast, go to the ricksmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. And if you haven't checked out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast, I don't know what you're waiting for. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house, and they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter, or X, and subscribe to their podcast and Anchor, Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And The Signal is that podcast for the Bucks County Beacon. You know it well. The Signal is hosted by Beacon's editor-in-chief, Cyril Micheleko, and produced by... Yours truly. Twice a month, the signal will shine a light on right-wing extremist currents streaming through Bucks County and beyond. Cyril invites guests to provide insight, analysis, and organizing solutions so that we can steer the community toward calmer, saner, progressive roots. And in case you missed it, Beacon, The Beacon has also launched its Gen Z podcast called The Civic Circle. Civic Circle, yep, it tackles politics and policy from a Gen Z lens. Sarah Zhang, Mallory Marson, and Alexander Coffee are students from Bucks County PA. Once a month, they chat about activism and advocacy and all the political happenings affect their generation today. So check out The Signal at BucksCountyBeacon.Podbean.com and The Civic Circle at CivicCircle.Podbean.com. For all you gamers out there, The Game In is a town based black family-owned gaming store. Friends of the show, and they've got everything for Retro N64s, so the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops. And kids get discounts with every end the report card. How can you beat that? Check them out on their Facebook page. Follow them on Twitter at The Game in That's two Ns. If got a question about a game, something hard to get? Shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. The shout out goes to Jonathan Mann who wrote our intro song, There are no people in the future. You can check out all his stuff on his YouTube page or follow him on Twitter at, at Song of Day Man. Again, two ends at Song of Day Man on Twitter. We've got some great stuff coming up and out to Cube Live. Um, stay tuned for this coming Monday show. We're still working out some details. Um, so I'll let you know about that. But on Monday, February 26th at 7 p.m., we have Steve Oros and his lawyer, and his la- excuse me, and his lawyer Laurie McKinley. Uh, we'll be talking about his victory in U.S. federal court against Kutztown University after the university's administration refused to grant Oros disability accommodations following his recent heart transplant. Oros was faced with being forced back into in-person classes while COVID was still rampant or losing his job. He fought back instead and won. More details on that. It's a great story. Can't wait to be talking about that. And from what I understand, there's some implications that this case may be included in a Supreme Court case that has to do with the American Disabilities Act. So please tune in for that one. Well, oh, but that's not why you're here today, is it, folks? No, today's episode, I welcome back to the show Catherine Joyce. We'll be talking about her recent article in Vanity Fair and the Hackenshaw Report about how the far right took over Pennsylvania School Board and how parents took it back. Yes, we're talking about the Penridge School Board and the unexpected and game-changing victory by the Penridge Community Alliance candidates this past fall that flipped five open seats on the board to take back control to bring the sameness back into our community's school board. Catherine Joyce is an investigative editor at In These Times, freelance investigative reporter and the author of two books, The Child Catchers, Rescue, Trafficking, and the New Gospel of Adoption, and Quiverful, Inside the Christian Patriarchy Movement, which I cannot recommend strongly enough. Catherine was was formerly a reporter with Type Investigations in Salon, a contributing editor at The New Republic, and a contributing writer at Highline. Her work has also appeared in numerous publications, including Mother Jones, The Marshall Project, Long Reads, The New York Times Magazine, Vox, The American Prospect, The Intercept, The Nation, The Echopolitan, Adirondack Life, The Atlantic, This, the, the Harvard Divinity Bulletin, and many more. Yes, indeed. She is formerly the editor of, um, of Political Research Associates' quarterly magazine, The Public Eye, and teaches an adjunct lecturer at Brooklyn College's Political Science Department. Welcome to the show, Catherine.
1: Oh my goodness. That was a
0: mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you didn't fun. need to read all that. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of fun. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you're somebody's, uh, you know, I said this when you were on the show last time, you're somebody's work. I've followed for, for quite some time through kind of various iterations of different places. Um, and you know, uh, especially as someone who's been tracking what's been happening on the far right for, for, for quite a while. Um, even when it wasn't, you know, right on the front pages of, uh, of our newspapers long before Trump, long before we get this kind of like recent turn and, um, to see, you know, um, you still doing this work is incredible. And the fact, and I think I said this to you off the air, but you know, this is the article, um, on what happened at Penridge that I've been hoping to see in print for a long time. And it only makes sense that it turns out you're the one <laughs> that's going to be, I'm doing it given that it's been right in the, uh, you know, in your work. So welcome to the show, Catherine.
1: It's great to be back. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. So before we get into um, the article per se, um, could you just talk a little bit about your work as an investigative editor in these times? I mean, I love in these times I got right here, just so everybody knows, latest uh, kind of print edition is right out here. It's phenomenal articles on the immigration debate, the the humanity of the uh, the inhumanity of the 2024 immigration debate. It's just a phenomenal article. I've already handed off to some of my students who are doing work on this. Um, Can you just talk about a little about the work that you do there within these times?
1: Uh, so it's so great to see that cover. Yeah, that is my colleague Nadi's um, amazing roundtable on immigration, which which was so good. Um, but Yeah, I've been in these times um, for a bit over a year now. I joined in late 2022, I guess. And yeah, I'm an investigative editor. So I, I work on a lot of our long form investigations. You know, uh, we have Looked at a wide range of things in in those pieces. Uh, we have looked at in a series by another of my colleagues, Joseph Bullington. We looked at kind of rural gentrification. You know, the way in the Mountain West, in places like kind of the resort areas of Montana, um, there has been such an influx of outside wealth and second home buyers and tourists, and kind of the, the transformation of housing into Airbnbs, uh, that the people who have lived there for a long time, and the people who make those towns run, uh, have just gotten pushed out. And, you know, we were talking just before the show about um, both being from upstate New York, and I mean, in a smaller fashion, I think that's something that we're both probably familiar with as well. We've looked at the impact of the Dobbs decision on, um, we published one of the, the first stories uh, in, in the country on a woman who was forced to give birth after being denied an abortion thanks to the Dobbs decision by Bryce Covert. We had a fantastic investigation um, by Andrei Popoviciu, um, a Romanian reporter uh, who uh Transplanted to Senegal to look at the way that the EU is sort of outsourcing its border enforcement to, you know, the the border checkpoints of sovereign African nations, where now EU-funded surveillance technology, some of which is quite intrusive, and also really EU-focused policies are really impacting the way people live there. Uh, we had another piece from Adam Fetterman in the fall uh, about. How uh, there's this kind of land rush going on for, for the Arctic, um, focusing on Greenland and how there's this kind of these twin pressures of, you know, extensive mining uh, going on in Greenland or in people trying to open new mines. And also just this increased uh, militarization of the entire region as it becomes sort of once again, like the hot spot for a new Cold War. So it's been really exciting uh, to get to work on all of these different sorts of projects with these really stellar reporters. We have some great pieces coming up soon um, that, you know, I hope you'll your readers and, and listeners will look at, too.
0: Oh, absolutely. One hundred percent. And I'll, you know, look, I'll, I'll just I'll just put the plug in right now. I said it like, you know, um, please do check out in um, I mean, I'm a subscriber. I've been a subscriber for a long, long time. I mean, it is one of the publications in this country that has um, kind of established itself and has been around for a long time. It's been established itself as a nonprofit newsroom that has done investigative work um, that you just don't get this reporting elsewhere. And it's just, uh, I mean, it really is. It's like the first thing that I read. I look forward to the physical copy every month. Um, I got it tagged under my my, my mags bookmarked. here. It's the first thing I read in the morning. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. So let's just talk about this. Like So first, I mean, you know, we've talked about this a little bit here. I mean, obviously, I live in the Penridge School District, right? My kids go to the schools there. Um, We've been uh, living what's been happening um, to our school district here. And I know that a lot of our listeners are also are familiar with some of the school board wars. So I'm curious, kind of coming at it from from your lens right coming from someone who's not like in this community having to being forced to fight these battles but then writing about this and situating it within this broader thing can you talk about like that angle of things what this looked like as you coming in what got you to decide to report on this what's happened here
1: yeah absolutely well first and foremost i uh, i need to to shout out um to a you know a local hero there in bucks county and and Within somebody who's been covering the district, I think more thoroughly than anyone else, um, which is Jenny Stevens at the Bucks County Beacon, who reached out to me in, I I think, May to to let me know, you know, this has been going on. I've been covering it. Um, We think that, you know, it it needs broader attention than just locally, even though I I think Jenny's work was being read um, Mm -hmm. at a pretty national level because I think a lot of people were paying attention to this. But before that, uh, I I had been paying attention to related things for a while. Um, last spring, I was working on the the previous story that I had done um, with Heckinger Report and Vanity Fair, uh, profiling what was going on in the school district in Sarasota, Florida, um, which I'm sure lots of people in Penridge will Indeed. remember was, um, you know, kind of take one for Vermilion Education to to try to, you know. Get a contract with the school board there, and you know, do some of presumably the same things that they they did end up doing that Jordan Adams did end up doing in Penridge in, instead. Um, so I was I was still kind of finishing my my piece uh, about Sarasota when the Vermilion contract there failed, um, and then very very shortly thereafter you know, there was the announcement that it had been picked up in Penridge instead. Um, and so that was, uh, you know, really interesting, piqued my interest already. Um, Bridget Ziegler, somebody I'd focused on a lot in my piece. Again, I keep saying as everybody (laughs) like there knows, um, but she, she, uh, posted on, um, social media, you know, it should have been us, uh, Basically, it it should not have been Penridge. This should have been in Sarasota. We should have been leading on what she called an anti-woke audit, Yep. which I think, you know, says something about the stature that this completely upstart new country had gained in, you know, just basically weeks of of its founding, um, that there were these different right wing controlled school boards um, that were vying sort of to be the first to, to hire them.
0: Yeah, I mean that was, I mean, and Bridget Ziegler too, as well, one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty, kind of down there, yes. um, really, really um, pissed off that she was not that Vermillion was not in their back, and you could see it like on like rolling out um, in Florida. I mean, they had all, every like the carpet was already prepared. Jordan Adams had been con- like on consulting with Ron DeSantis already about some of the higher education policies and kind of like yep. scrubbing the curriculum of DEI initiatives and things like this, um, and that was just a huge defeat um, that you. You had some Republicans on that board uh, basically, you know, turn against um, that proposal and then it landed right here in our lap.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, it, it was, uh, you know, sort of like Pennsylvania is is charging ahead where where Florida couldn't get this to work. That was interesting.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. And this is like, you know, this is this little bit beyond what we we're talking about, but what's there's there's very long. Interesting history between Pennsylvania lawmakers and Florida lawmakers. Um, they, the last three chancellors of high, uh, chancellors of the state system of higher education um, before the current guy were from were from Florida. They came out of the Florida system. Um, they were connected with uh, the Bush family. They were connected with education reform down there, and they kind of ship them up here. It's just, just, and it's remarkable to see this kind of parallel continue at the K through twelve level, especially at the school board wars.
1: The Florida model. The Florida yeah, model. absolutely.
0: Wow. Yeah. So I'm curious, as you were kind of, um, were there things that stood out for you as you were talking to folks? I mean, you do, I mean, I love the fact that, you know, you, uh, you know, begin your article, um, quoting Bob Costin, I always get his name wrong. Here we go. Uh, Bob, uh, Bob Cousinow, right? Um, He's a social studies teacher at, at Penridge High School, and basically saying, look, what happens here is going to be the case study, right? This is how you take over the board, or this is how you win. I mean, I thought that was a great frame for the piece. Um, And so can you talk a little about some of the conversations that you had with folks in the community um, about how they saw this fight and how this, how they turned the the tides really?
1: Yeah. I mean, that was extremely interesting for me, um, especially coming right off of reporting uh, in Sarasota, because there I was hearing sort of similar sentiments. Uh, You know, a number of people there kept kind of echoing some variation on their sense that, you know, we are this, you know, underground laboratory for whatever Florida is going to unveil on a statewide level and perhaps, you know, broader than that, perhaps nationally, that that Sarasota is this testing ground. And I had heard that kind of so consistently from so many people I was speaking to in Sarasota that it, it really struck me, um, in talking to people in Penridge that they, they were seeing the same thing that I, I kept hearing that over and over again with different people, um, that I spoke to in the community. Um, you know, a lot of whom are represented in the article and a lot of others who, who spoke to me, you know, on background or early on and, you know, who's, you know, just time and insights really informed my understanding of what was going on. Um, But again and again, saying, um, you know, we we feel like there is an experiment going on. It feels like they are experimenting on my children. Um, It feels like, you know, Hillsdale College is, you know, using us as this test case to to make Penridge kind of the first public school district that is being run along these lines, Um, you know, which. Hillsdale college would, would disavow and say they have nothing to right, do with a million education, of course. But yeah, I kept hearing that. Um, and it, because I kept hearing that it, it really kind of stuck out to me when I spoke with Bob Kuzenow in, in June and his perspective, um, was, was similar, but kind of with, with a bit of a, a tweak saying, yes, it does feel like an experimental ground. It does feel like a case study, but it's unclear like what direction this case study is going to go in. We can be, uh, you know, the the case study, kind of the, the testing grounds for how you can take over a school district um, and completely undermine it from within, uh, or we can become this blueprint uh, for, you know, how you fight back. And I, I don't think that's my, you know, that didn't strike just me. I mean, I think in a lot of the other, Coverage of what happened in Penridge, I saw kind of similar language again and again, people talking about a playbook, a playbook, a playbook. Um, and, you know, largely talking about like, this is the rights playbook for for taking over. This is the Moms for Liberty playbook. Um, but the idea that Penridge could also be a playbook for for fighting back, for figuring out like what mix of, you know, advocacy and Lawsuits or complaints mm-hmm. or other tactics could combine you know obviously with um, a really significant electoral outcome um, to really turn the tide on this and that was yeah that was something I thought about throughout kind of the months where I was working on this off and on
0: yeah, and it's really you know it was and all credit goes really to um the the parents and the organizations um, who helped build that narrative about this being a playbook too all thanks goes to Jenny Stevens, who helped kind of you know get the shout out and show like the background and the context which was lacking from uh, most other local reporting i mean you know local reporting in the some of the kind of more mainstream newspapers um, you know it'd be like oh this happened and this happened <laughs> okay that's great but why did it happen right how is this connected is what is the information what's the background that's going to help us understand what is actually happening here at Penridge and you know like you mentioned Laura Foster one of the co-founders of the Ridge Network who uh was you know and adrian king who basically um helped kind of build those networks um and there were you know and people doing the door knocking going door to door talking not just about elect this candidate but talking like helping spread that kind of education about what is actually happening here at penridge and why it's important both for our kids for this district and then beyond
1: yep yeah for sure
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that I uh, you mentioned this in the article connecting up, of course, the losses of Moms for Liberty back candidates that happened kind of across the country. I mean, you know, Iowa was a big story for a while, um, but several school districts that had Moms for Liberty back candidates across the country um, also lost at the same time. And. um, Personally, I began getting a little bit concerned about a narrative of victory, right? A narrative of like, okay, we finally put Moms for Liberty to rest. Because even like right in this area, we have a school district right down the road. It's in Soutard School District um, that went the other way, right? Um, That was just getting off the ground in terms of the extremism that we saw in Penridge. We saw the Kutztown Area School District, which is, you know, I teach at Kutztown University. This is uh, kind of in in the public school district out there. Um, Same thing happened there. And so we see district after district that are, you know, less, let's say, high profile at this point, um, but are nonetheless um, going to or are experiencing some of the the similar things we have. And I know that folks from the Ridge Network have already begun reaching out um, to some of these other school districts, and those school districts have been reaching out to folks in Penridge about this. So, I mean, not asking you to kind of predict the future here or anything like this, but, you know, given a sense of – you know, your kind of ongoing reporting, what you saw in Penridge, what you saw in Sarasota, how influential do you think groups like this, like the Moms for Liberty folks um, and these kind of extremist elements, the money going into school boards, you see that as a kind of tendency continuing going forward. Um, My skepticism was always on the line of like, these folks don't go away. They're, 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 they've got tons of money behind them and they're just refining a playbook. Um, But I'm curious your perspective on, you know, where this goes from here, especially you when know, we're in an election year, and so I mean I don't mean just in terms of the presidential election. I'm really more even thinking about how these folks are building out these these right wing networks.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a really great great question, um, which is uh, what people always say when they don't have a hugely satisfying answer. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I mean, I I read I believe it was in the Daily Beast um, a week or two ago. You, probably saw this but there was a story that it had a title something like like even moms for liberty is getting sick of moms for liberty and it was talking about the a local chapter that had gone from I think a couple hundred members to like three and then those three members like got together at a diner and they're like yeah okay I guess we're done here um and they they just kind of closed up the chapter and like posted an announcement like this chapter is available if anybody would like oh, to come in and get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, and they talked a little bit about, um, you know, the, the waning appeal of some of the high intensity activism, you know, now that, uh, fights over school opening or closures or masking requirements or vaccines is not foremost in the news, I mean, not to say that COVID mm-hmm. is gone, sure. but not, you know, first and foremost in the news every day, um, that for a lot of people who who got drawn in because of that, um, not all of them had the same level of energy or interest in fighting so-called woke politics in school. Obviously, a lot of them did, um, you know, because that's, you know, where we have seen so much of the kind of ferocious energy that that drove the situation in, in Penridge, kind of leading up to this past year, because so many things were happening before Vermillion showed up, obviously. Right. Um, and also in Sarasota, um, you know, where there was just this kind of similar sense of every school board meeting brings something new, brings like some new kind of radical proposal that is somehow tied to this narrative of, you know, we've got to take back our schools. So yeah, I mean, I think that was a really interesting article. And I don't know, in honesty, and I don't know if anybody really knows, like, is is that the way things are going to proceed? Um, is, you know, the, the sort of crop of scandals around Moms for Liberty leaders from, I think there was one in Pennsylvania, uh, who was disgraced fairly recently. Um, and then obviously, there's Bridget Ziegler herself. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, that's
0: that's a whole other. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, we don't need to touch that. (laughs) Like, I mean, like these these scandals that either show um, the mask slipping and kind of like the real extreme nastiness um, that is driving some of these people or just the the rank hypocrisy of, you know, somebody like a Bridget Ziegler, um, you know, going after. LGBTQ youth and and colleagues um, you know on one hand and then not living a purely kind of heteronormative life herself um, but yeah, I don't know uh, which of these things went out and this is maybe like taking a a step back mm-hmm. to think about it um, but sometimes I think it helps to think about what's happened with other, right-wing movements. Um, We don't talk about the alt-right anymore. um, And we haven't really talked about the alt-right so much um, for a few years, really, since Charlottesville. But it's not because those people went away. Uh, It's not because they saw the light and, you know, stopped being hateful bigots. It's because they rebranded. You know, some of the leadership maybe was put out to pasture. um, But those energies were recaptured. They were redirected to new projects Um, whether that's kind of formations like the America First so-called GRIPERS or or other things. You know, we are still absolutely dealing um, with a very radicalized, you know, white nationalist right-wing movement um, that believes in many, many of the same things that the alt-right did. Um, And, you know, in many regards, like those things have just become mainstream talking points for most of the the right today most of the conservative movement most republicans now are giving voice to things that you know were extreme when we heard them from the alt right yeah. in 2015 2016 so i i think you know there's there's one level on which if a brand gets tarnished uh you know similar things pop up under new branding and that's that's just the way it is i mean i don't think a lot of these Fights get permanently won. Um, And, you know, what we've heard from historians um, and other smart people over, you know, the last few years that Moms for Liberty has been organizing and they grew into this behemoth so quickly. um, You know, thanks largely to lots of, you know, money and institutional and infrastructure support that we weren't seeing, but also because the playbook for that uh, to use that phrase again, you know, was already written right. decades ago. You know, this is the, the same sort of stuff that, that we have seen historically. So I don't, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the fortunes of that particular group are going to continue to be. Um, does seem like they are a little bit tarnished right now. Um, And it does seem, you know, to some extent, like some of the people who really made their names, um, the Chris Rufos have, you know, at least temporarily have shifted their attention to higher education. Um, So we're definitely seeing a lot of stuff happen there. But I, my suspicion is, you know, that there may be more rebranding than there would be, you know, actual kind of anything like acknowledging defeat and and walking away um could be wrong of
0: course no but i mean i think that i mean i love i love the way that you frame that i mean because that's that feels right like about what's happened right to looking at this kind of rebranding and you know the brands that don't get tarnished. i mean moms for liberty might be tarnished right now but the brands that don't get tarnished are like the scafe foundation the bradley foundation the DeVos foundation the big money that can afford to just back off these folks and like, let them like, Oh, well, you know, whatever, we're still in the shadows, like, right? So we're just going to quietly walk our money away um, and let them kind of burn out and just wait for the next best thing. And it seems that the yeah. right is extraordinarily good at just throwing a bunch of crap against the wall. And to find out what goes like, I am, I, you know, looking at what just happened with the Super Bowl and Taylor Swift, for example. <laughs> right and then which is just this like craziness right but now there's yep. reporting out that's like like one in 5 or something like this of people buy into the conspiracy theories behind Taylor Swift stuff and then at the same time a report comes out from Pew research that's basically saying that more young white men right are finding feminism to be a problem Right. Than ever before. Right. I mean, not ever before, but I mean, in recent years, the tendency had always been that that's dropping off. People are kind of accepting the premise. And then so so these things seem connected to like certain avenues of gaming culture and Internet culture among young white boys. um, And, you know, all this, this stuff that's happening. And so the like you were saying, the energy still is there. And they're just waiting for where's the money going to get dumped. And, you know, I, I I got my money right now on something connected with Taylor Swift. is <laughs> going to make its way into meme culture to help generate more backlash. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm glad that people are finding out that the Pentagon created her.
0: Um, <laughs> it's incredible. Back, you know, it was a lab like, <laughs> special kind of like cybernetic, you know, it was crazy, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah. They're like, she's got to know how to dance. Um <laughs> I I mean I'm getting to be old enough uh where I've you know having these kind of codgerly moments um where I'm like but but this is just what they were doing yeah. 30 years ago um yeah I mean like the first book that I wrote was about the the so-called quiverful movement um these right-wing um uh, fundamentalist Christians I'm not using that as a pejorative just to distinguish them from sure. more mainstream evangelicals uh but people who basically believed in, in having as many children as they could, um, in part as a means of kind of winning the culture wars demographically. And a lot of things went along with that, uh, kind of complicated movement. Um, but I've just been noticing in the last you know few months that yeah, you know, along with this increasing kind of narrative uh against feminism and yeah like all of this like i don't know bronze age mindset kind of <laughs> eat raw eggs kind of yep. pro-masculinity movement dude, right? yeah. um you know now there's just starting to be this tech t- tiktok generation um you know putting out um these sort of gauzy videos about you know how you know, they're going to have the last laugh because, you know, they have decided to become a trad wife and have, you know, five children. And, you know, you secular feminists aren't doing that. And so we're going to win. Um, And, you know, as a side note, the young adults, I guess now in their 30s, who grew up in the first wave of that, see this stuff on social media, and they laugh and laugh and laugh. um, Because, you know, by their own estimation, like, 50% Fifty percent of them, you know, turn out being queer in some way or another. Many of them, you know, become atheists, um, which n- not, you know, all of those are kind of value neutral things. But what I'm saying is, a lot of them walk away from it. But it's just interesting to me how much there is just kind of this this regurgitation of the same ideas in new packaging um, that are being updated for kind of a a new generation of young right-wing activists sorry that was a bit of a tangent
0: no no not at all I mean I think that is that's exactly what you just described there in my mind this is I mean this is the corporate mentality of marketing essentially I mean it's mirrored with you know what we get in the kind of most extreme kind of like you know Theocratic kind of uh, like you know authoritarian politics. I mean, it's you know, I, I mean, it's essentially is what marketers do, right? I and mean, they say, okay, we know that okay, these thirty year olds and forty year olds are now bored with what we're doing here, so we're going to target the kids again because yeah. we're we know that what we need to do is we need to make sure that those are going to be consumers that are going to buy our products in ten years, and so I mean, what I see happening on TikTok, I, I mean. I'm just sitting here nodding along what you're saying. You can see these memes kind of repeat yeah. themselves um, and being like, yep, they're just taking this stuff. And, you know, I was thinking about there's there's all like, the resurgence of the 80s as like, you know, a cool thing. I'm like, yeah, it's the same thing. It's You're taking yeah. this kind of like nostalgic kind of like retro thing and then you're bringing it, it kind of in, introducing a new audience to it and expecting it to do the same kind of work. And it works for a bit. You know, yep. um, except this is like we're talking about, you know, the future of this country. We're talking about violence being committed against communities of color and kind of LGBTQ communities here. So the stakes are so much higher, but it's the same process. I mean, it's like this runaway kind of billionaire class that are investing in marketing for the future they want against the one that we want Yeah. <laughs> in my mind. But, yeah,
1: no, it's, it's
0: wild. Yeah. Emily just could chime in. She's yeah, it's like Goldwater 6.0. Right? <laughs> so, right, <laughs> I so like way. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you mentioned at the top of the show, you know, I don't, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I appreciate you so much coming on, um, coming on the show again and appreciate so much your reporting. It's uh, um, it's been, it was wonderful. I have to say the day that um I woke up and looked at my social media, instead of it being a just complete, you know, horror show, uh, was filled with, uh, people sharing your article, um, kind of around the community. And we're so thrilled mm-hmm. to kind of see that kind of in print, um, and both as kind of a validation of the efforts, but also as kind of like, yes, like we had to go through this. So, you know, you're here to help <laughs> this kind of thing. It was really a, uh, a nice moment in the midst of the battles that we've been facing.
1: But, that is yeah. really nice. Yeah. And, I, I'm sure everybody there who's been really active has more stories um, personally, but i I got emails and heard from people, you know as far away as Colorado um, talking about how they were really glad to to see this. They're going through something similar. Um it's really you know good to see what what other people have done um, in addressing uh, this this sort of hostile
0: takeover. 100 percent. Lots of accolades are coming in now about a great article. Awesome article. Thank you so much. <laughs> so um, in the chat right now. So that's fantastic. So, I mean, you mentioned at the top of the show a bunch of things that you're, say, working on a thing. But in addition to sending everybody over to in these times.com, right, to make sure that, you know, you're reading what's going on there, you're sharing the work that's going on there, become a subscriber. I mean, um, not only are you a subscriber, I'm a kind of like a supporter um, of the means. I think the, the, the importance of independent media is just Critical. That is
1: fantastic yeah Thank you. <laughs> i mean so please
0: head on over there everybody and seriously support the work they're doing it in these times but there's anything else that say you're working on or in the horizon it's coming up either you kind of individually or in the magazine that you'd want to kind of plug and tell folks to um look out for
1: well um readers can't see it but you can yeah. um <laughs> this is this is a few issues back but uh we put out a special issue that's a great um, art desk about the um the right wing and it was The first time in these times had ever kind of dedicated so much space and time and energy um, to really grappling with the right and talking about um, what it means for the real kind of movement left and like the side of the left that, you know, traditionally has been really concerned um, with issues like like labor and, you know, workers rights and so many others. But what it means for that left um, to need to take the right and the threat of the far right uh, very seriously. Um, so that that special issue uh, was our November issue. Um, we put all all the articles out from it are online already. Um, but we are going to continue uh, doing more reporting um, about the right, and you know I'm excited for that because obviously I I think it's it's really important. Um, but I think, you know, it's, I think it's bringing, you know, this issue up, um, from a slightly, uh, different perspective. Um, and, you know, thinking through, you know, what does it mean to be grappling this and, you know, where does this fit in to, to a left sensibility? So, um, I, I'd recommend that. Um, and yeah, I'm, Personally, um, I'm going to be continuing to write about these issues there and and perhaps elsewhere. Um, And when I occasionally post on social media, it, it will often be to... To share those articles, I'm I'm sort of a disappointing follower on social media, but I, I do put my articles there.
0: <laughs> well, your articles show up. That's what matters. <laughs> yeah. like a disappointing follower. Yeah. Uh, well, with the collapse of all these platforms and things right now, I'm the kind of, I've become a disappointed follower. So at some point, you <laughs> to be out there on these things. It's like half the time it's like crap. But uh, I, I'm so glad you brought it up. That that epi- that um that issue of in these times called "What Is to Be Done?" The spread of the far right. Um, it is a phenomenal article. Uh, Catherine has got a great. Article in there with Jeff Shartlett called Losing the Plot. I was just talking to her before the show about this a little bit, which is uh, seeing all these folks, though the former left kind of turn to the right. How do we make sense of this? There's a great piece in there from Bill Fletcher Jr. on the fascist movement's biggest threat, labor unions. Um, Fantastic. Um, Just to give you everybody a sense of kind of what's in there, a great piece in here um, by Rick Perlstein. We're in an epidemic of right wing terror. Won't somebody tell the press? um, super article there on queer Louisianas are fighting back book bans um, connected to that's a part of their dispatch, just to give you a sense of some of the things that's in that, in that article or in that, um, issue. And and that, like you said, a lot of that stuff is up online now. Um, so it's, it's great reading.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for reading and, um, thank you for being an, in these times supporter.
0: Yeah. 100%. Um, well, Catherine, um, once again, thank you so much for your reporting and your work. I appreciate you coming on the show today and, uh, keep up the fantastic work and, uh, can't wait to see what's, uh, coming up next.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. It's, it's great to see you again.
0: Yeah. Great. And we'll, uh, um, Be dreaming of the Adirondacks when snow <laughs> for the rest of the yes. day now <laughs> all right everybody thank you thank you for uh, joining us today this is Kevin Mahoney editor and founder of Raging Chicken I want to remind you you can help support this show by heading over to patreon.com slash rcpress you can become a supporter for as little as five bucks a month uh, look for all the great stuff coming forward everybody talk to you soon see ya